Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I tell you about the Doctor Who that I have watched. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like how you put a new spin on that sometimes. That one was improvised. (laughs) Each time's a little different. Uh So... This episode, Benny, is a very exciting episode, and I don't mean of Doctor Who, I mean of the Doctor's Watcher. Oh, I was going to say, every episode is exciting, (laughs) isn't it? (laughs) That's true, every episode is exciting, both of Doctor Who and Doctor's Watcher. Uh, Yep, and if you disagree, listeners, then actually keep it to yourselves. (laughs) Don't tweet us, don't email us (laughs) about this one particular topic. (laughs) Or you could listen to Dalek Kyle and email us to tell us we're great anyway. Uh-huh, yeah, give us that false sense of security. <laughs> so, but the reason the reason that this is an exciting episode, you already know, Benny, but our listeners don't. And that's because we have a very special announcement to make in this episode, which we will be making at the end. So, so hope you stick around to hear it. Listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you hit play on this episode, I hope you meant it. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, I suspect some of our listeners may be able to guess at least part of the announcement if they've yeah. done any outside research outside of the Doctor's Watcher. But Yeah, I, I mean, I know that some of our, our listeners are actually watching the show with us, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. And yeah, if you are, then um, is this too much of a, too much of a spoiler that... Uh, yeah, I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> it's not a spoiler, it's a teaser. It's a teaser. Yes. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, should we get into the episode? Indeed. So this is episode 42 the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Mm-hmm. And also known as also known as prisoners of the conciergerie. Nice. Do you recall what our Clift Angler was? Um, our Clift Angler was that the doctor just made a what was it a a deal of necessity. A bargain of necessity. Bargain of necessity, which was the title of our previous episode, <laughs> which then led us right into the uh, Cliff Dangler because it came right at the end where the doctor, um, in order to get Susan freed from jail, uh, made a deal with La Maitre um, to show them, um, to show him and his men, I guess, uh, where Jules Renard's secret base is. And sure enough, the doctor led. Lemaitre to um, the secret base. Right. So yeah, they show up. The doctor gets accused of betrayal. But Lemaitre insists that he and the doctor have come alone. Just the two of them. There aren't like any soldiers or guards or anything with them. Okay. I guess I, I might have just remembered wrong. Or um, no, that that wasn't in the, in the Cliftingler. That was in this... New episode. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so Lemaitre insists that they're alone, and 
the doctor basically tells everybody about the bargain of necessity that he made with Lemaitre. Everyone's like, oh, that'd be a good episode for a TV show. <laughs> and, you know, as, as you have just reminded us, that bargain was that if he brought Lemaitre to the safe house, that Lemaitre would let Susan go. Lemaitre insists to everybody here at the safe house that he comes as a friend. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and like, furthermore, he says that Ian will vouch for him. Huh. And Ian is like, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, Ian's like, I, are you sure? Uh-huh. <laughs> Am I supposed to be vouching for him? <laughs> So Lemaitre explains. Well, surely you realize that your escape from prison was arranged. I saw to it that you got the key, and I took care of the jailer. Huh. I, I thought it was Ian's brilliant plan and his unusually long arms that got him <laughs> out of jail. Uh-huh. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess Lemaitre, like, calls the jailer at just the right moment when the key is in the lock. Oh, yeah, and and the jailer had been hit on the head. Right, and yeah, and then Lemaitre, like, watches Ian escape. Interesting. So Ian asks him why, and Lemaitre says, I was certain in my own mind that Webster gave you a message to deliver. You had to have the opportunity to deliver it. Unfortunately, I don't have enough time to wait now. I had to collect. Hmm. Turns out... As Lemaitre now reveals, I am James Sterling. Oh, dang. Yeah, I thought that was a great twist. <laughs> uh, well, um, interesting. Um, yeah, I, I remember when we were talking about, <laughs> when we were talking about Leon and I was like, oh, it would be so convenient um, if he were James Sterling because then, you know, we already have the character established um and then you don't have to introduce a new character to be james sterling and it can be like oh this character's uh, you know but i guess in this case it's really been with us all along Mm -hmm. Um, sort of raises the question of why he didn't reveal himself sooner um but maybe he didn't know if he could trust our heroes that's basically it yeah like no no. ian actually asks and yeah, he basically says that he, he didn't know if he could trust Ian. Ian's like, you know, you could come, you could have like revealed yourself to me in the prison. And Lemaitre's like, yeah, and like be overheard by all the guards and shit. I don't fucking think so. Hmm. He, yeah, he basically says that like this was his only course of action. Interesting. That's, that's kind of cool because like, you know, it's one of these things where I guess all along, um, if if we know that Lemaitre is James Sterling, we could now go back and rewatch the whole serial with that in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, like one of these, you know, twist twist shows when you know the twist, when you know that uh, spoiler warning for the M Night Shyamalan movie. Uh, shoot, what was it called? Signs? No. Uh, What's which one? Bruce Willis is a ghost. Oh, uh, Sixth Sense. Yes, yeah, spoiler for Sixth Sense, Bruce Willis is a ghost. Anyway, once you know that Bruce Willis is a ghost, then you go back and you watch. Um, and you, and then you see all the little bits where he he doesn't touch something or, right. or whatever. Um, 
and and you know in this one i wonder if you can go back and watch it and be like oh shit um the matra was was helping them all along mm-hmm. or the matra did have to do that thing that seemed bad because someone else was watching right yeah like i don't really watch these too far in advance of our recording them so like i didn't know this twist for most of the serial but <laughs> it'll be interesting as as we listen to like these episodes when they come out because we we will know by then yeah and and you do watch these several times um so did you ever so once you knew the twist did you i guess you only find out the twist at the very beginning of this episode yeah Um, and like i basically watch them in pairs so i knew yeah i knew the twists for like the previous episode and and were there any moments when you were like, oh, I see. I see what's going on here now. Hmm. Um, you know, I'm not sure, actually. I wasn't <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> I know where it is. Pray continue, Citizen Kyle. So he, apparently James Sterling, a.k.a. Lemaitre, has been in France for like several years. And, you know, he's in somewhat of a position of authority so he can actually be of use to the English that he's spying for. Cool. Very convenient. Uh Uh-huh. So, you know, Ian goes ahead and officially delivers the message from Webster, which, as we recall, basically boils down to, like, hey, James, time to GTFO out of France and, like, bring your secret info back to England. Cool. Uh huh. Sterling is like nothing more, and Ian. Ian says, "Well, he mumbled occasionally, odd words, but what I've just told you was all he asked me to tell you." <laughs> I'm sure the other things that he said were weren't significant <laughs> at all. Uh huh. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sterling actually does like want to know what the odd mumblings were. But Ian doesn't really remember. He says they didn't really make any sense. Uh, yeah, I always feel like what would, what would happen if I were in one of these situations? Because like my memory is not great, as the listeners are, you know, not surprised to hear after having heard me stumble through <laughs> and remembering a couple of um, cliff danglers in the past. But yeah, you know, because sometimes in, in shows, someone will be like, "Well, it sounded a bit like this," and then they'll be like, "Oh, it was that." Uh-huh. And and yeah, if it were me, I just be like. Oh. Yeah, and that's basically what Ian's like. It it didn't seem important, so I didn't bother to remember it. Sterling is like, you know, I was basically kind of planning on heading back to England soon anyway, so like, cool, cool. In the meantime, I can assure safe passage for all of you, for wherever you might want to go. But first, I've got a quick side quest for you. Yeah, I was going to say that would be a short episode otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) He explains the side quest that he was given by Robespierre about following Paul Barras to this meeting and reporting back on it. Mm -hmm. On that one significant day whose date we learned. Right. Uh, I think 27th of July or something. I don't remember because as we established, my memory is not great. And as he talks about this, Ian is like, oh, shit, those were actually some of the words that Webster mumbled. 
Barass and meeting and like sinking ship. <laughs> sinking ship we already know about. <laughs> <laughs> that was the uh, what was it? Leonian ship? <laughs> uh-huh. Leonine. Mm-hmm. Jules is like Just a moment. There's an inn called the Sinking Ship on the Calais Road. It would be ideal for a secret meeting. Uh, the plot thickens. Barbara wonders if they have like any idea who Barras is going to be meeting, and Sterling is like, No, but whoever he is, he could be the next ruler of France. Hmm, interesting. So, Sterling can't go to the meeting himself, because he will be recognized as Lemaitre, and he thinks that like even the doctor might be recognized as the regional officer. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he kind of sticks out. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So the plan that he's come up with is for him and the doctor to like chill in Paris while Ian and Barbara go to the secret meeting at the sinking ship inn. Cool. Jules is going to go with them. So he starts like showing them on the map, like what route they're going to take. It's going to be at least a two hour ride, he says. And the camera fades out, and we skip ahead to a nice shot of clouds passing in front of the full moon that evening. Cool. Very atmospheric. Mm Mm-hmm. And at the sinking ship inn, it has become a very rainy night. And Barbara, who is dressed as a waitress is serving a drink to Jules. There are two other, like, patrons at the inn. There's and just... Ian's in the side, you know, and he's got this, like, mask on with these tusks on it, but he sort of tugs it down a little bit so you can see his face. <laughs> you know he's in position. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, apparently, we learn, as, like, Barbara brings a drink over to Jules, we learn that Jules bound and gagged the actual innkeeper oh dang okay and yeah he the the innkeeper is like in the wine cellar for the evening oh all right uh and yeah they're just gonna like let him be found when they're done basically (laughs) i uh, i hope they'll take some precautions there to make sure somebody actually finds him (laughs) ian is in the back room and he's using an awl to drill a spy hole through the wall. Cool. He finishes this up and, like, arranges some items on the shelf to hide the hole. And a few minutes later, Paul Barras arrives at the inn. And so the, the spy hole, did he drill it through the eye of a painting in the main room? <laughs> And if not, oh, that's a missed opportunity. Yeah, unfortunately not. It's uh, (laughs) basically in like a bookshelf in the back room and just like storage shelves behind the bar in the main room. Oh, all right. Well, I'm sure he did his best. (laughs) So Brass arrives. Ian welcomes him. Ah, ah. We take your cloak, citizen. Horrible night. Brass wonders. Where is Jacques? And Ian's like, Bound and gagged in the basement. Uh, shit, I mean... He's sick. He asked me to help him out. 
that might raise the DC slightly on that check in. <laughs> He's like, you must be the citizen who ordered the room. This way, this way, citizen. Here we are. In the back room, Barbara takes Barassa's order for a bottle of wine and asks how many guests he's expecting, which he says is just the one. Hmm. Handy that all he, that he wanted was a bottle of wine because she's like, we got those and I can go and get you <laughs> one. Uh-huh. <laughs> if he had ordered like some specific French food or something, <laughs> we might have been in trouble. Sorry, the kitchen closed like five minutes ago. So oh, sorry. Darn. So out in the main dining room, the other two patrons like finish up and leave. So now it's just Jules. He also like packs up and heads on out. And a few moments later, a man arrives all bundled up in like heavy coats with like a big hat and scarf obscuring his face. And he sees Barras waiting at the door to the back room and like rushes in with him. And once Barras and his guest are secure in the back room, Barbara and Ian compare notes but it turns out that neither of them got a good look at who this person is. Which is how you know that they're probably significant. <laughs> I mean, the fact that the person was like, it could be the next leader of France. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. It's definitely significant. They do get another chance a moment later because Barras welcomes this person in, calls him a general. Okay, okay. I was wondering <laughs> if it was going to be Napoleon. Uh huh. Yeah, this guy unbundles himself and then he just like opens the door of the back room to like peek around the dining room again, real quick, make sure no one's listening. Apparently, he's not concerned about like the quote unquote in workers, Ian and Barbara. <laughs> uh, their disguises are that good. <laughs> He steps back into the back room, and the back room door gets closed, and Ian is like, Barbara, Barbara, it's Napoleon, Napoleon Bonaparte. Nice. Yeah, it was fun. Always down for good historical figures. Yes. They've gotten several now in just this one serial. I, I almost feel like I wonder if... They had a sense of how long this show would be running, and I'm like, maybe slow down a bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> pace, pace yourselves on the historical figures. <laughs> Going through Robespierre and Napoleon in a single serial. <laughs> so in the back room, Bonaparte and Barras discuss Barras's proposal. Robespierre will be arrested after tomorrow's convention meeting. He'll be tried and executed before his friends have time to reorganize. After this happens... Barras is going to be in a position of power, and he's planning on amending the Constitution. But in order to do this, he's going to need the support of the people of France. And in order to gain the support of the people, he wants to appoint Napoleon as one of the main dudes in the new government. <laughs> we'll see how that works out. <laughs> Your victories, inspiring victories in the Austrian wars, have made you a public figure. You're a hero in the people's eyes. And in your eyes. A useful prop for your new government. <laughs> oh, dang. Napoleon ain't having it. Uh-huh. He says, Oh, come, General. 
It would be more than just a figurehead. Napoleon's like, yeah, you better fucking believe it. <laughs> just you wait and see. So apparently the new government that Barras is planning on instituting when he changes the constitution calls for three head consuls, and Napoleon is going to be one of them, is Barras's plan. Barras says that he needs Napoleon's decision now. Like, you know, Napoleon asks him when he needs to know, and he's like, you know, now. <laughs> yeah. And he, you know, Napoleon asks, like, what what would happen if he refused, basically, and Barras is like, you know, there are plenty of other, like, popular dudes who would do it otherwise so Mm. what if what if napoleon had said no indeed but of course he accepts dependent on robespierre's downfall in the event of failure i shall of course deny this meeting ever took place that's uh probably a, a wise choice there of course we all know that will not be a problem of course ian and barbara heard the whole meeting. They're like listening through the spy hole that Ian made. Yes. We cut to the next day where they are reporting their findings to James Sterling. We do not get to follow up with the poor bound and gagged innkeeper. (laughs) I'm sure he was fine. Listeners, don't worry. (laughs) Sterling's like, Napoleon. Napoleon as ruler of France. <laughs> oh, preposterous! That'll never happen, and I'll put money on it. And then, uh-huh. Like Ian, Barbara, Susan, and the doctor all pull their wallets out. Like how much? <laughs> Barbara points out that you know he's going to be like one of three consuls, but Sterling doesn't buy it. He won't be content with that. I've watched his promotion. Bonaparte's clever and ambitious. If he gets a foothold to power, one day he will rule France. Well, all right. (laughs) They they put their wallets away. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor's like, okay, cool. So now the only thing we have to worry about is like getting Susan out of prison, which, you know, you're supposed to do, James Sterling. Right. She's she's not there to take her wallet out because she's still in prison. (laughs) You know, that reminds me that when uh, when we first meet Susan, um, doesn't she have a book on the French Revolution? Because it's like... Oh yeah, it she borrows it. Has from, the word from like, Barbara? The French Revolution on the cover. Uh huh. I wonder if the knowledge that she gained from that book will come in handy. Quite possibly. Or yeah. you know, if if it was intended to be like a, a teaser for um, what was going to be later in the season. Maybe it was just that, like, the Doctor was bored with all of his reading material, so he's like, you know. <laughs> I totally stand the reign of terror. Susan, do you think you could like borrow a book about the French revolution from your history teacher? Yes. Oh, and she was saying that some of the parts were incorrect, right? Oh yeah, that's right. Um, but I guess that she wouldn't have known cause she wasn't there yet. Um, dang it. Now I'm getting all my time traveling confused in my brain. <laughs> you know, the doctor is like, you know, we just need to like get Susan now. But James Sterling is like, you know, uh, also, Robespierre is about to get guillotined. We should, like, maybe try to stop that. They're like, no, I think I think that would be uh, <laughs> kind of <laughs> pointless to uh-huh. try to prevent that. 
Barbara's By like, the way, it's, it's not thanks to the amazing American public school system that I know that Robespierre gets executed toward almost at the end of the, uh, the revolution. It's thanks to the fun game by Wizards of the Coast known as Guillotine. <laughs> it's a card game, and I recommend it. It's really fun. It is fun. Barbara's like, you know, WTF. You'd keep Robespierre as ruler of France? Sterling starts to respond, but he gets cut off by Jules. If I thought he was the only way we to... We need break. a strong government, but not a military dictatorship. And it could happen. Barbara's like, uh, yeah, it's gonna. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor's just like, you know, fine, whatever, do whatever you want. I'm gonna go get Susan out of prison. I'm surprised that for such a reign of terror, Stan, he doesn't really seem that invested in anything that's going on. Yeah, he's like... Just wants to get out of here now, basically. Maybe it's, it's, yeah, a little different when you're actually there. Yeah. Sterling starts taking charge of the situation and starts issuing orders. He tells the doctor to take Barbara with him and asks Jules to, like, take them to the prison, basically. Mm-hmm. Sterling and Ian are going to head to the palace to try to get news of Robespierre and then we'll go meet everyone at the prison. So, you know, there's this whole flurry of activity. Most everyone rushes out of the room, leaving Barbara and the doctor alone in the room. And she starts laughing. He's like, uh, what's so funny? Yeah. And she says, Oh, I don't know. Yes, I do. It's this feverish activity to try and stop something that we know is going to happen. Robespierre will be guillotined, whatever we do. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I wonder, I'm kind of curious if the Doctor has any response to that, because I wonder how that works in the Doctor Who universe. Uh-huh. Like, can they change history, or is it, you know, guaranteed to play out the way that they think it will from the history books in 1963. Yeah, yeah, the doctor basically is just like, yep, totally, there ain't shit we can do. You know that. Oh, okay. <laughs> and she's like, Yes, I know you can't influence or change history. I learned that lesson with the Aztec. Mm-hmm. And doctor says, The events will happen just as they're written. I'm afraid so, and we can't stem the tide. But at least we can stop being carried away with the flood. Cool, cool. Well, kind of time travel, time traveler philosophy moment. Uh huh. Yeah, it's neat. We haven't had one of those in a little bit. Yeah, I mean that's why we're watching Doctor Who. <laughs> Hello, this is Dalek Kyle. I hope you are enjoying this podcast. If so, please leave a five star review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. If you are not enjoying it, you can leave a five-star review anyway to give Benny and I a false sense of security. Thank you for listening. So, Robespierre is in his office... Uh, I should point out, just in case it's not clear, that, like, this is the history day that he mentioned in the previous episode. Because when he, when he mentioned it, it was going to be tomorrow, and then we had, like, 
the meeting with Paul Bergasa and Napoleon that night. Now, like, this is the day. Cool. So he's in his office getting ready for what's about to happen. He bolts his office doors closed. He gets out a pistol and he waits. Oh, interesting. And outside his office, a group of soldiers shows up shouting and they decide to break the door down. This takes like one or two hits from the butts of their rifles before the door doesn't break down, but like swings open. (laughs) Well, they probably only had one take. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Robespierre though, doesn't shoot his pistol. He just like stands there and some soldiers like rush in and grab him and hold him in place. He was like, dang, I wasn't counting on there being more than one of you. (laughs) Could you all just line up for me? (laughs) Softest person in front, please. (laughs) The camera cuts back to outside his office, and Ian and Jules arrive. Jules starts rushing into the office, but Ian kind of holds him back. And, you know, Robespierre is like delivering a speech off camera while the soldiers are just, like, holding him in place while he delivers his speech. But this speech is cut short by an off-camera gunshot, followed by a soldier shouting, Ha! Ah, I'll get it quiet for a while. Get the water talk out of here. Come on, Robespierre gets dragged out of his office past Ian and Jules, and he's holding his hand up to cover, like, the lower half of his face. Dang. And Jules is like, well, shit, I guess it's all up to the doctor at the prison now. To definitely save him. (laughs) So at the prison, Barbara is, like, waiting outside in kind of a nearby shelter while the doctor heads in. The jailer is in there, you know, kind of in the lobby area or whatever. He's drinking with a bunch of guards, and he's very surprised to see the doctor again. (laughs) The news that Robespierre's been overthrown has, like, already reached the jail. So, you know, they're all celebrating, basically. And the doctor tells the jailer that Lemaitre got shot as well, and now it's time to deal with Lemaitre's accomplices, like the jailer. You were Lemaitre's accomplice, weren't you? You did help him to carry out his torturous actions. Hmm, interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, the jailer is just like, I only carried out the orders I was given to- Orders! And the doctor is like, That's what the Nazis said! Oh wait, that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Uh, well, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, also, it's interesting that these jailers are, or the jailer and his men are celebrating the downfall of Robespierre. Weren't they working for Robespierre? Or at least for his government? I think so, yeah. But I guess they're just, like, terrified by him. Yeah. Plus, it's an excuse to have a party. Yeah. Hey, come on. <laughs> so the jailer's like, you know... Dude, you hit me on the head, and I didn't know that Lemaitre was a traitor, and I didn't know who the fuck you were either. 
Doctor's like, Well, I suppose there's some logic in that. I can't decide whether you're a rogue or a half-wit or both. <laughs> However, I will give you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Very kind of you, as he always is. Uh-huh. <laughs> he basically tells the jailer that there's going to be a whole new batch of prisoners pretty soon. So he better get everything ready, including the cells. And better better the jailer... empty them out of anyone who's already in them, because you're going to yep. need everyone. Yeah, Jailer's like, Well, uh, shall I release the prisoner citizens? Doctor's like, Certainly. Now, let me have the key to the dungeon. Cool. The doctor just goes and releases Susan and is like, The others? Eh. <laughs> I don't really care. Uh huh. We cut back to outside the prison where we get an old Doctor Who budget saving technology of showing us a character reaction instead of showing us the actual thing. Yep. So we get to watch Barbara as she watches Robespierre get taken into the prison. And as I was typing that into my notes, I realized that it's actually a lot like our podcast. Ah, the Robespierre's watcher. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of actually watching Doctor Who, our listeners can employ the budget-saving technology of listening to my reactions to watching Doctor Who. Yes. And now you're listening to Kyle's reactions of watching Barbara and seeing her reactions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you, so, know what I, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> so Barbara is like, next time on the Robespierre's Watcher, and Ian and James Sterling arrive. <laughs> And she's like, well, I guess you didn't save Robespierre. <laughs> she's like, oh, nuts. I was uh-huh. really rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> Sterling says, we saw him taken. He was shot in the jaw. And like they all wait for Jules to arrive in a carriage. Sterling is planning on heading to Calais so he can catch a boat from there back to England And, of course, our heroes are heading to a forest north of Paris. Yes. Inside the prison, the doctor frees Susan, and they have a big reunion hug. That's always nice. Yeah. I feel like the doctor doesn't really earn it, but he is her grandfather. (laughs) He tells her that everybody else is outside and that there's a carriage waiting for them. And she says, Carriage! Oh, that's better than the tumbrel. <laughs> yes, as we all remember that the tumbrel is the uh, the cart that they would take people to the guillotine on. Indeed. And it, it certainly didn't look very comfortable. Because Doctor Who is an educational show, and now you know a new word. I mean, maybe you already knew that word, but I did not. And now I know <laughs> a new word. Out in the lobby of the jail... The doctor and Susan watch as Robespierre is dragged in. He's still covering the lower half of his face with his hand. And the jailer is like, Oh, Citizen Robespierre, this is indeed an And one of the soldiers is like, I don't waste your breath on him. He can't answer you back. He tried writing us a letter, but uh, too bad we don't read, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
cut to that yeah. meme of uh, the the you know the little girl and Arthur looking at the sign on the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a a pretty interesting burn. <laughs> Susan turns to her grandfather and she's like time to GTFO and he's like yep time to GTFO yes yes the rabble are far too busy to bother about us everybody lived in fear yesterday of that man and today let's go Susan let's go yep he's like well I'm in reign of terror stand but the reign of terror is coming to an end so <laughs> uh, not really into the whole Napoleonic thing. Yeah, Might once well Robespierre's out of the picture, then like you know it gets <laughs> it gets boring. So back outside, while they all stand around and wait for the doctor and Susan to come, Jules and Ian have a chat, and it's during this chat that I realized that there's been a secret slow burn ship happening this whole time. <laughs> uh, tell us more. So Jules comments to Ian that everything has changed for him now that Robespierre has fallen. And Ian asks what he plans to do now. And he says, First I must find Jean. Then I shall wait somewhere in the country and see how this situation in Paris develops. So it's the Jules Jean ship. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. I didn't come up with any good ship name, but I did think it was a good ship. No, I think Jean is a fun, perfectly fine name. And the two of them just, uh, you know, having a nice little domestic setting, waiting for things to blow over, you know. Uh-huh. They've got their little house in the country. Yeah. I guess it's not the HMS Jules Jean because it's not a British ship. I don't know what the French yeah, what prefix they use. <laughs> Jules wonders who's going to end up ruling France next. And Ian's like, uh, maybe that Bonaparte dude? Seems like and, a pretty safe bet. <laughs> uh-huh. Jules is like, Corsica? Ruling France? Meanwhile, James Sterling and Barbara are also having a chat. And he's like, uh, really? Like, middle of the forest? You sure that's what you want to set as your Uber destination? (laughs) She's like, yep, totally. Middle of the forest is cool. We'll be fine. Yes. He says that he can't wait to see England again. And she's like... Same here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like... Oh, England... I know how you feel, only too well. He wonders why they don't just come with him. Yeah, I was going to say, if they're going back to England too, then just come uh-huh. on with him, and uh, it's almost almost as good. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, uh, No, we must travel our way. He asks her, Barbara, who are you really? Where do you all come from? England. <laughs> Same as you. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get a chance to answer, though, because the doctor and Susan arrive at this moment, and everybody rushes to get into the carriage. Jules and Sterling take a few moments to chat just between the two of them. Jules hopes that our protagonists have a pleasant journey, which I thought was nice. And Sterling says, 
So do I. But to where, Jules? Funny. I get the impression they don't know where they're heading for. Come to that. Do any of us. <laughs> Whoa, dude. <laughs> I wasn't ready for you to get that deep. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, he got real deep real fast. <laughs> I guess I guess when you're, you know, present for the change of regime, uh, you just get extra philosophical. Mm-hmm. So I kind of thought that it was just going to end there, but the episode's not quite done yet. We get a shot of, like, our hands-drawn map of the French countryside. The camera is kind of, like, zooming out on this map, and this is, like, superimposed with shots of a carriage traveling. Cool. It's like uh, our, our traveling from Marco Polo. Yeah, totally. Yeah, something similar then with the the good old Indiana Jones map. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not like a dotted line on this one, but but uh, we'll, we'll still take it. Yes, indeed. They give us the shot of like the TARDIS in the forest again, and then we get a final scene inside the TARDIS. The characters are back to like discussing whether or not they can change the past, basically. Mm -hmm. The doctor, like we cut in kind of to the middle of this conversation. The doctor is telling Barbara that Napoleon never would have believed her. And Ian's like, well, yeah, but like, what if we like wrote him a letter with all this future shit that was going to happen in his life or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Susan's like, wouldn't have made any difference Ian. He'd have forgotten it or lost it or thought it was written by a maniac. Barbara's like, you know, what if we just fucking shot him? I guess the bullet would miss or something. <laughs> but what if what if the history that we know was actually caused by us all along? <laughs> uh-huh. We never realized until the moment that we tried to change it that we actually were the ones who set it in motion. <laughs> the doctor's just like well, it's hardly fair to speculate, is it? No, I'm afraid you belittle things. We cut from the TARDIS interior to, like, a starscape. And the camera is zooming out, revealing more and more stars as the Doctor continues. Our lives are important, at least to us. But as we see, so we learn. And Ian asks, and What are we going to see and learn next, Doctor? And the doctor says, We're unlikely old at age, my boy. Our destiny is in the stars. So let's go and search for it. Nice. And the title next episode, Planet of Giants, comes up on the screen. <laughs> cool I, I i know i've seen um screenshots of that uh serial and it's it's a pretty good one <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'll be a fun one at I, least for for hilarious screenshots <laughs> i i have seen it before like years ago for my blog and it's one of the few that i actually remember from seeing it before cool to some extent 
So I think you have a question for me, but before we get to that, I've got a couple of quick notes. I do have a question for you, but I'll save it till after your quick notes. <laughs> the first thing I wanted to mention here was that similar to the burning house at the end of a land of fear, the starscape that we see at the end of this episode continues like well into the credits rather than an immediate fade to black. Cool. So that was cool. Yeah. And the other thing that I wanted to point out, uh, I guess a couple more things actually, but one of the other things I wanted to point out is that we didn't really get like a specific cliff dangler that is going to be resolved next time, which makes this another great fanfic insertion spot. Yeah, you can take them on whatever adventures you want at this point. <laughs> uh -huh. Say that they just happen to come between the Reign of Terror episodes and then the Land of Giants. And then my, my other note that I wanted to mention is that I read online that this serial actually included William Russell's vacation. So everybody got a vacation this season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was wondering if uh, Carol Ann Ford being in jail for so much of these episodes um, might have been one of her vacations. But I guess it was actually William Russell's vacation. Yeah, she just got the one in Aztecs. But, but yeah, William Russell was on vacation basically during Guests of Madame Guillotine and A Change of Identity. Interesting. I didn't even Which, know. Yeah, just, like we were too wrapped up in the story to notice at the time. How how could I have missed that Ian, person of action, wasn't driving that action forward? Apparently the idea of setting a serial in the French Revolution was William Russell's idea, which I thought was kind of cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if... I wonder at what point he passed along that idea, because um, remember I was saying earlier whether... Uh, um, Susan's book in the beginning was some sort of a, a teaser. Right, yeah. Um, or, I mean, maybe that's what inspired William Russell to suggest it. Oh, that, that could was, be, yeah. That gave him the idea to give them the idea. I mean, maybe somebody knows, but not me. <laughs> I suspect not us. So, well, there you go. All right, so should I ask my question? Yep, go for it. All right, Kyle. Well, we're at the end of a serial, so uh, my question to you is, would you recommend it? I definitely would. Heck I yeah. liked this serial a lot. This was really interesting and engaging like throughout the whole serial. I mentioned earlier that it actually made, makes me want to learn more about the French Revolution, <laughs> well, I'm getting carried away there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm Next not thing you quite know, you'll sure. Be as big a terror stand as a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that quite places it in like Doctor Who is an educational show territory, like in and of itself. But it's at least like education adjacent. I, I would say, yeah, yeah, definitely at minimum education adjacent, and yeah. probably more probably some I, actual education in there i do wonder with serials like this whether or how much doctor who is truly a children's program though because like this serial is pretty intense and violent yeah and yeah. you know 
none of the violence was really depicted on screen. It was all like off camera, but I could definitely see the serial being too intense for like small children. Yeah. And I tend to kind of picture doctor who is being for little, little kids, like, you know, even five, six year olds. Um, though to be mm-hmm. fair, uh, or I, maybe I should add, that I don't really have a good sense of how old kids are at various ages, you know, like what, <laughs> what their appropriate shows or where, where they are in terms of development. So yeah, I mean, I just either. picture a little kid and I think that, Doctor Who would be good for them in general, but uh, yeah, this one, this one definitely had people dying. I, I always remember, or I think of um, the the one where the soldiers kill um, Dar Johnson or Rouvray. I don't remember which one, but then they're like laughing about it, and it happens yeah. off screen. Like you hear the gunshot and you hear the laughter, but still, like dang cold yeah and then like in this one like robespierre gets his jaw blown away and like you know sure the special effect for that is he holds his hand over his mouth but like that's still pretty intense yeah but it is educational and maybe (laughs) so makes Uh a difference and you know all that said like i do personally have a real soft spot for stories about people working together to overthrow terroristic governmental regimes. Uh So I really liked this. (laughs) And, you know, even though it might be harder to find this serial because it's not on BritBox, I would recommend the serial. We mentioned way back in episode 37, the first episode of the serial that this is Dennis Spooner's first Doctor Who serial, but he will contribute a few more. And I have to say that I have not looked them up, so I don't know when they're coming, but I am looking forward to them. Cool. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if his later serials are also historical or if he dabbles in the uh, the sci-fi ones as well. Yeah, I'm really curious, like once we start learning about, you know, the different stories of different people, right? Like how much crossover there is. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Um, well, cool, cool, cool. Um, so, uh, should we talk about the? Should we reveal the thing that we were teasing at the start of the episode? Indeed, the we big promised our right. listeners a big announcement. And Benny, not only was this the last episode of the serial. Yes. But this was the last serial of the season. Oh, dang. Well, 42 episodes later, we finally finished (laughs) the first season of Doctor Who. I have watched and told you about an entire season of Doctor Who. It only took us, what, a year and a half or so? (laughs) 42 episodes. I mean, that's that's, that ain't nothing. (laughs) That's a lot, yeah. Yeah. But... But that's not actually the special announcement I promised. Oh. This is. You and I are going to be doing a special season one wrap-up episode. Indeed. And it will be coming out next week. That's right. One week from today, on June 26, you can hear us talk about the whole fucking season. You don't even have to wait two weeks. (laughs) You only have to wait one. We are still going to maintain like our normal fortnightly release schedule for regular episodes. Yes. So the first episode of season two will come out one week later 
two weeks from today on July 3rd. And next episode will be two weeks after that, and so on. Yes. So, yeah, you'll get a special bonus episode next week. <laughs> well, um, well, we'll see if it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope you enjoy it, listeners. We have not recorded it yet, so I hope it's good. <laughs> yeah, we... as, as we're like, you know, uh, <laughs> hyping it, I'm like, well, um, I don't even know what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> We will be recording it before this current episode is released. So if it sucks too much, we can just cut this whole segment. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I'm sure it'll be awesome. Well, cool. Or at least decent and hopefully worth listening to. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, if you have any suggestions for what to include in it, uh, go ahead and send them, but it'll be far too late because we will have already recorded it by the time you hear this. <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe we'll remember them for our season two wrap-up episode. Yeah, and you can send us questions anytime, anyway. Um, for sure. We're, we're always very, very excited for any um, listener interaction. Well, I hope you all join us in one week for our season one wrap-up episode and in two weeks when we travel to the planet of giants. Yes. Sounds like fun. Bye. Bye. Hi, Benny here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23, at gmail.com. Thanks to Kyle for talking to me about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to me listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at drwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. I think you underestimate Robespierre. He has a talent for commanding support. Only if he is allowed to speak. And he won't be able to. If, citizens, you swear your allegiance to me now, I will promise your safety. I promise to save France. I will promise...